Remember, little one, not so long ago, heavenly parents dear held you oh so close. Now today, here you are, wonderfully alive, in your eyes shining still, heaven's light abides. Oh, tell me, little one, of our home above, for your veil is so thin, tell me of their love. Welcome back to the In Her Image podcast, where we seek and celebrate our mother God through scripture, scholarship, the arts, and everyday life. I am Jess Burdett, one of the podcast co-hosts. We are missing Kate today, but I'm very excited to have a conversation with my new friend, Brittany. She lives in Paris, France, and has reached out to me because she had an opportunity to work with a piece um, translating it and had a really special experience doing that. And I'm very excited to hear more about that. But first, Brittany, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. How did you end up in Paris? We'd love to hear a little bit of background on who you are and how you got there. I have lived in Paris for about two years now. My husband and I have six kids and we were living in Washington, D.C. and he was working, doing a government job and he got an opportunity to use his French abilities to come work in Paris. So we are here on a three to four year posting, you would call it, and we have really enjoyed it. There have been hard moments, but it has also been incredible. Great. Did you know any French before you went there? My husband studied French all through his middle school, high school, university days. He majored in French. And so when our first daughter was born, we were actually here for an internship for him in France. And she was born in France and he had decided that he wanted to speak French to our children. So he started speaking French to them as they were born. And I've slowly over time had the longest probably time to learn French, but slowly absorbing over almost 14 years now, I have come up with an ability that I call survival French, and it has served me well here, but living here, I've definitely improved a lot. So I've been grateful for that opportunity, but I knew nothing when we got married. Wow, that's amazing. I just want to say way to go. That is not easy learning a whole new language, especially when you're not doing like a formal training or class, you know, to just jump in and. <laughs> yes, it was it osmosis. Out. I was just slowly seeping in over the years. And I highly recommend it if you have the amount of time because it doesn't require much active work. So yeah. nice. Well, that is so cool. Thank you for sharing a little bit about that. So you reached out to me on Instagram saying that you and your husband got to translate a hymn from French to English. What is that hymn called in French? The hymn in French is called Souviens-toi, which means remember. And I first heard the hymn in our ward and it was kind of, every ward has kind of a pet hymn, a hymn you kind of sing more often than others that the music director loves to select. And this was one of those hymns. And I didn't notice it at first because my French wasn't great. But after singing it multiple times, I said, this hymn includes heavenly parents. And I was really surprised to sing it. And I was really surprised to see it in the French hymn book because we have 
we do not have that in our English hymn books. So that was my first encounter with the hymn. It was a really incredible moment singing it for the first time. That sounds so sweet and special. So what made you want to or decide to go through and translate the entire hymn into English? So we decided when we sang it and I finally realized what it was, I had already been on a journey of seeking Heavenly Mother and wanting to learn about her for maybe maybe three years almost. And I turned to my husband and I said, we have to translate this hymn. And being naive, I just assumed that nobody ever had. It turns out many people have translated the hymn, but I think it was a real gift to have kind of a veil over my eyes that I could be the first one to translate this hymn and I needed to do it because I think if I had known other people had done it, I probably wouldn't have attempted it or I wouldn't have encouraged my husband to help me do it. So I said, we need to translate this hymn. We need to get this in the English hymn book. And he said, okay, he is a translator. So he doesn't love to translate without getting paid for it. It's like free labor. And I said, you have to help me do this because I can't do this on my own. I can try, but this really needs to be a team effort. And it was a really beautiful experience. It was one of those things that it just started flowing out of both of us. And it was a really collaborative time. And it was, we, we don't do that kind of thing often. He has his work. I have my work and we both have our different creative pursuits, but it was an opportunity for us to really do this together. And it was unforgettable. It was translated more or less in one evening. We put the kids to bed and I just said, I, I need you to help me do this. This needs to be, more people need to know about this song. So we worked on it together and there were moments when it's, it's very difficult in translating, especially poetry, because you want, you want it to flow like poetry does. I later read many translations that were what we call literal translation. Mm-hmm. But there was no rhyme. There was no movement. There was The meaning was not the same. It was literally word for word translated. And so because of that, because of the nature of poetry, it can be really difficult to get the true meaning and find the right words because one word in one language will not mean the same in another language. So that part was very labor intensive, mentally straining to try to think, but I really felt like the spirit was there with us. I really felt like we had many epiphanies or moments where the words just kind of came through us. And so I felt really honored to be this conduit for translation that I never really thought that that would be something that I, I would experience in my life. That's so beautiful. I love that you got to do that together with your husband. That feels right and powerful that it was a partnership. It was really amazing. And he has already been so supportive and receptive in my spiritual experiences, wanting to include Mother in Heaven more in our family discussions and in our family scripture study. And so it was for me just another another way for him to show that he was really in this with me. Um, and the support he gave was really incredible because we translated it. We worked it into the formatting for the hymn and all of that. And all along the way, he was just 
saying, well, what's next and what can I do? How can I help you? And he knew that it was something that I wanted to do, but it really felt, it really felt powerful having him support me and back me up because there were just some things I didn't know with, with the language barrier. I love that you had that help and support and that he was so willing to do it, even though it's like work for him because (laughs) that's what he does all the time. (laughs) It was, it was, it was kind of like, I think of it like a calling, something that you just volunteer, that you sacrifice your time and your effort to put this good into the world. I love that. Would you like to read the hymn for us so that we can hear in English what you, um, what you both came to, came up with, what flowed through you? Yes, I would love, I would love to read it. And then after maybe I can share this hymn was originally not credited to a person. And that was where we saw many miracles in trying to find who actually authored this hymn. So I will include the, the title of the author, even though in the French hymn book, She's not, her name is not listed. So we translated this to remember little one. And because in the French, it says, uh, which is remember, but then after it says my child. And so we included that in the title. So this is remember little one. The original French text is by Marie Francoise Ouvrage. And I will read all three verses. Remember little one, not so long ago. Heavenly parents, dear, held you oh so close. Now today, here you are, wonderfully alive. In your eyes, shining still, heaven's light abides. Oh, tell me, little one, of our home above, for your veil is so thin, tell me of their love. Remember, little one, prairies, towns, and pines, can we see here on earth such a view divine? And the sky, when night falls, is it pink or gray? Does the sun yield to snow? Does it follow rain? Draw for me, little one, scenes of fields so bright. Sing to me melodies of that world tonight. Remember, little one, when it all began. We were friends very best, playing hand in hand. Then one day, joyfully, we did choose, did we, the great plan of our Lord, life with agency. That night then, little one, we promised in love and in faith to again reunite above. It's just so tender and sweet. It's um, it's a lullaby that you would sing to your child, uh, and if you hear the melody, it really it really plays like one. The author chose music from I think the New World Symphony by in a European composer, and it is very melodic. It's very tender, so the words fit amazingly well with the music. It's really a beautiful hymn. That's so lovely. And you got to share this, and this hymn got to be used recently. Would you like to tell us about that? experience? Yeah, I would love to. So when we translated the hymn, I said, well, this is great. And I, I submitted it to the church in hopes that something, something could come of it. And in the meantime, I said, well, what can we do to get this hymn out there to get people to listen? And Danielle from Our Mother in Heaven was hosting a a fireside in June, and she was looking for songs, poetry, creative pieces that could be that could contribute to this fireside. So I reached out to her and I said, Hey, we have this beautiful hymn in the French hymn book. And my husband and I have translated English. I would love for it to be used in some way. And I just sent it to her and she said, this is amazing. Thank you so much. I will see what I can do. And she got back to me and said, I have someone who can sing it and she knows French and it will be so great. She said, but 
who, who authored it? We need to, we need to know. And I said, well, I don't know. And she said, okay. I said, it is credited to a committee. So if you read it in the bottom of the French hymn, it just says, uh, a French linguistic committee for the church. And I said, I didn't know those existed. I have no idea what those are. I said, I don't know what we can do. She said, well, let's see, see what, see what happens, see what you can find. And I also had an opportunity to submit it to another publication. And they, and they said the same thing. They said, we're going to have a copyright issue with this one if we can't find the original author. So I said, okay, when we need answers, we pray, we pray before we work. And I wasn't just going to sit and pray and hope that the name would pop into my head of who wrote this song, but through prayer and through effort, I started digging and looking online. I went through old exponent articles where people actually included this hymn. And I read through comment sections and someone said, I know the lady who wrote that song. This is her name. And I said, okay, I, I don't know if this is genuine or not. They said, it's an incredible story behind this hymn. And some said, that sounds a little too magical. That sounds a little too out there for it to be real. And, and I wanted to make sure that that I had the truth. So I said, well, this person says that this, this woman, Marie Francoise, authored the text. So I said to my husband, I need your help. We need to find this person. I didn't know if they would be living. I didn't know if they were living in France. I, I knew nothing about them. So I just started contacting people I knew here in wards who had lived here a long time. I started with my Relief Society president and I said, do you know the name? Do you know who this woman is? Marie Francoise. She said, yes, I used to be in a stake with her a long time ago. She's an acquaintance. So I said, okay, I know she exists and I know she's, she's probably alive. And she said, this is the stake she lives in. So I said, all right. And I, I can do some French, but I get very timid in communicating. So I told my husband, Hey, I need you to reach out to the stake president and see if you can get the stake presidency's contact info from this other stake. So I can track down this random person who is probably going to be a little nervous when they just find a stranger trying to hunt them down pretty much. So he sent some emails out and he said, well, Hey, I know this person and they've been members in the church for 50 years. And here in France, the, the church is small all over the world, but here in France, especially if you're a member of the church, you likely know most other members of the church. So are there, there are a few families who everyone knows and they kind of know everything because they've been here from, from the very start. So he said, Hey, I got her name and I got her phone number. And I said, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. I cannot believe this. And so I just called her up. And I sent a text first because us in the younger generation, we text. I didn't hear back. And I said, you know what? If this woman is over 60, she's just used to picking up that phone. And so I just gave her a call and I talked to her and it was incredible. And I just, I just kept having this butterfly in my stomach feeling that this is happening. And I couldn't believe it was happening. And she said, yes, I wrote that hymn. And I said, I can't believe I found you. I feel like the luckiest person in the world that I could find you. And she speaks fluent English, which was another miracle for me because I thought, well, she, this woman wrote this hymn, but what if I can't communicate with her in the way that I want to? But it turns out she is a translator for the church, has translated many things, and she was part of this committee. 
So I said, I have translated this hymn and I would love for you to read it and see if it passes muster. See if it gets your approval because we would like to use it in a fireside about Heavenly Mother. I would like to submit it to a publication of poetry about Heavenly Mother. She said, yeah, send it to me. So I sent it to her and I was waiting and waiting and the clock was ticking because the fireside was only a couple weeks away. And I thought, what if she doesn't get back to me? And I have to pull this because I didn't want to just send something out that wasn't approved by the author. It didn't feel like the right thing to do. So I didn't hear back. So I, I called her up again and I said, Hey, have you had a chance? She said, yes, I will email you soon. And so I was trying to patiently wait and she got back and she said, I love it. She said, this is the best one I've read. She said, I wish that the church could use this in their hymn book. She said, I've heard that they are going to include it in the new hymn book, but under a different translation. And, and this was her hearing things upon hearing things. So I have yet to have confirmed what potentially might happen with, with this hymn. She said, but I would, I would choose this one. I approve of this hymn. And I said, do I have your permission to send it in with your name, obviously, and to this fireside and have it sung? And she said, yes, of course. And it was such a quick unfolding of miracles that in a span of two months, all of these things happened that I just thought, I, I'm never going to find this person. How in the world am I going to find a needle in a haystack. And it felt like a lot of prayers had been answered. And I was actually able to meet her in person. I was able to interview her over Zoom. And if it's okay with you, I'd love to share a clip of that interview and her experience in writing the hymn, if you don't mind. Oh, we would love that. Thank you. Okay. So she, to, she responded to this question, how did this hymn come to be? And in her words, she said, I was working with a church committee of the translation of the Green Hymn Book in French, and they asked us to have one or two special hymns in the French hymn book. We chose a traditional Christmas song, and we decided as a committee to maybe have a song about the pre-existence. One of the members was a musician, and he suggested the music of New World Symphony because he had an arrangement of it. They asked the translators to write words for the music about the pre-existence. A few years before, there was a contest in the church, and they wanted people to write music and new hymns. I'm not good at writing music. I'm not a musician, but I am an interpreter. I had wanted to do something on the preexistence, but it didn't quite feel right, so I abandoned the project. When the opportunity came again, it was incredible because it had been my desire to write on that theme for a long time. My husband and I were married in 1978 and didn't have any children yet. It was very painful for me and all the family. The church pressure at that time was very hard when you didn't have kids. At that time, my husband was without employment. He worked for the church before, and he was looking for another job. At that time, we had no work and no kids and were visiting friends in Italy. Since he was visiting with his friends to find work, I was waiting in the room, and I decided to work on that hymn. I must say that I always wanted to have the experience of having a newborn baby and seeing that he was living and had just arrived from the pre-mortal life. Maybe he had some recalling of that life before. So I wanted to put that in the first verse, which I did. For the second verse, I was really inspired by a French poet, Charles Baudelaire. His poem is called La Vie Interieure, which means the pre-mortal life. I always thought it was very interesting that a non-believer had such ideas of a pre-mortal life. I really love that poem, and I decided to do my poem about La Vie Interieure for the second verse. 
During the third verse came the spiritual experience. I did not write that verse. The Holy Spirit did. The words came just like that. I was just crying and crying at the end of that verse. I think it was one of the few really spiritual experiences that I have had. Really, that third verse was written by the Spirit, not by me. I don't deserve the credit for writing it. Years later, I realized, after we adopted our first child, that he was born the same time that I wrote that verse, in 1990. It was probably the same month. I won't say the same day. But when I realized that, I thought, yes, it was probably a message from the pre-mortal life when I wrote that verse. When I asked her, why did you include Heavenly Mother in that song when it was uncommon for that era? She replied, people were talking about the Celestial Mother. Not that much, but they were talking about her, and I liked that idea. In Knowing Oh My Father, they talk about the Celestial Mother in the afterlife, so why not write about her in the premortal life? There has been much more talk about her recently. We, she and her husband, served recently in the Visitor's Center for the Rome Temple as directors from 2019 to 2021. She says, when we went back to Paris due to COVID, we were also talking with the missionaries and mission president in Italy by Zoom. And we, along with others, made presentations to them every week. I gave a presentation on the Celestial Mother, so I have done some research on that. First, I found a lot of very nice paintings to go with my presentation, and there were documents written a long time ago in the church. In response, I asked, were you asked to speak on Heavenly Mother? Marie said, no, I proposed it. My husband was presenting something on the priesthood, so it goes together. That's the end of the quote. And... She has got to be probably over 70 years old. And it was a really, really amazing experience to hear her words, to hear how she is speaking up when she said, oh, yes, I gave a presentation to all the missionaries in the Rome Temple Visitor Center and to the mission president. And I just decided to do it. I just, I thought I have found a kindred spirit. I have found a sister and So many of us are under 40, probably. So to find somebody who was a grandma herself was a really amazing experience. And I'm just forever grateful to her for writing that hymn. (laughs) Thank you, Brittany, for sharing that. And thank you, Marie, for (laughs) letting us share in your wisdom and power and love. Ah, I'm so happy that you were able to find her. What a miracle. And that that hymn could be used in the Let's Talk About Heavenly Mother fireside. And I really hope that the church gets to use it, especially if that's her favorite translation. That would just be the best. And now we have a really special surprise that even Brittany doesn't know about. She's not going to hear it until this episode actually comes out. I was able to witness a mini miracle this weekend as I was editing this podcast episode and realized that the perfect addition would of course be the song sung in musical form so we could actually hear the melody. And I was able to connect with Emma Stanford who sang this song at the Let's Talk About Heavenly Mother fireside. She was able to get in contact with her pianist, Aubrey Litster, who also wrote the piano music for this song. And they went over to Shane Mickelson's recording studio and busted out this recording within me asking them not even 24 hours before. So without further ado, I'm going to insert the song right here as a very special treat.
Thank you to Emma Stanford, Aubrey Litster, and Shane Mickelson for making that happen. And now we'll go back to my conversation with Brittany. 
It's just such a beautiful song, Lullaby, like you said. So thank you for sharing all that history of the song and the story of how it came about. That's such an amazing experience that you had. I'm glad that when you first had the idea that, like you said, you didn't know that others had already translated it. So you could have all of these amazing pieces come together um, and find the original author and be able to share her story and have it recorded. Just so many miracles. Thank you. You're welcome. I think sometimes we can do that. We can psych ourselves out when we, when we know too much about something and we can get too nervous or say, well, I'm not the person for this or why should I do this? And I feel so grateful that those thoughts never came into my mind of, Hey, maybe somebody translated. It was just, Hey, we need to do this. And I know many people feel the same and and it's great to have many translations because I think there's lots of ways to look at a song and there's, there's so many layers of meaning in, in poetry and we can all find different meaning in the same words. But I do feel very blessed that I had this opportunity because it was kind of this confirmation, the way that my husband and I try to think about jobs and opportunities and potential is, is not so much in a temporal way, but in a spiritual way. And so when this opportunity came we said, well, what, why are we going, why are we going there? What is this for? It's not just for career advancement. It's not just for this or that. And, and we both felt really strongly that it's to find ways to serve and find ways to build the kingdom outside of the United States. And with COVID and with all these things that kept kind of stalling it, I just thought, what are we, what are we here for? What are we here for? And stumbling upon this hymn and being able to find Marie, it really gave me the answer I was looking for in terms of why, why did we move? Why am I in this foreign country? Why am I living uh, in an apartment with six children? Why, why am I doing these things that are pretty hard? And so to have that experience really gave me the peace I needed to know I'm where I need to be. And I felt honored to find Marie because as I talked to someone else, they said, we need to know who these people are. She could be lost to history. And that would be tragic to me if we never knew who actually wrote this, who we could honor, who we could respect, who we could thank and show our gratitude for. Imagine if Eliza Arsenault's name was not on that hymn and it was just submitted anonymously and we wouldn't know that she was the one that penned those words. And so I feel very humbled and grateful that I could bring her name to light so that she could be known for future generations. That's so beautiful. That feels like the mother's work right there. It does. It does. It really feels like the mother's work. And I feel we as women have a special part in that. I I'm right there with you. Um, are there any other details or things about the translation or your experience that you'd like to share before I ask my final question? I find that in talking to Marie and hearing her story and hearing that this hymn came to her in moments of pain it was very moving for me. I had a spiritual experience translating it, but I know that I know that those words came to her to comfort her. And I I fully believe that she said that 
this was a message from the other side for her. I think sometimes we can feel alone in our struggle. She was struggling with infertility. She never had children. She adopted two children. And those, those adoptions were also miracles. And she shared those with me and it was really touching. But in her, in her struggle with infertility in the eighties, in the church, I can't imagine the pain that she was feeling, possibly the judgment that she was feeling. And I know people still feel that today. So to hear her share that these words came to her in a moment of deep pain and deep sorrow really strengthened my testimony that the Lord can give us beauty for ashes. And this song may have come to fruition regardless of her circumstance, but I do believe that in her pain and her prayers, he gave her this message to share with the world. Thank you. Thank you for that message. Thank you for being a receptacle, a vessel for so much good, a vessel for her words to come to so many more people. My last question for you, and you said that you've been on a journey seeking Heavenly Mother for a few years. So our last question that we've started asking all of our guests is, how has the mother changed you? I will try my best to get through this without turning into a puddle, (laughs) but I really feel that Jesus Christ brought me to the mother in some of my darkest times as well. And I've talked with many others who've had similar experiences and I don't, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think about Hagar in the desert and how desperate and alone she must have felt. And the Lord came to her just at the right moment. I feel that that theme is similar in my life. I was feeling very lost, very, I guess you could say angry, but it was more of a despair that I knew my worth, but I didn't feel that God knew my worth, which seems kind of contradictory to say. But I had always been taught from a young age that that I was special. And yet as I matured into an adult, I felt I was second in my and how special I was, that some somebody, some gender was always a little bit more special than I was. And that brought me a lot of frustration. It made me really angry. And I started to doubt my place in God's plan. How willing was I to be second? And I decided I wasn't willing to be second. It wasn't something I was going to do. And if that meant being alone for all eternity versus being just under my husband, I I was not interested in that. So I decided that if I wasn't going to be equal in heaven, then I guess heaven wasn't the place for me. That's, that's kind of the conclusion that I came to in my mind because I knew I was equal. So in those moments of despair, in pouring out my soul, in prayer, pouring out my soul to my husband, asking why is this the messaging that we're receiving? Why am I, am I just being overly sensitive? And am I taking everything too personally? And in those moments when I just thought, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I felt like I was given the 
the other half of God into my life. And I realized I had been living my life only knowing half of who God is. And I was the other half. My, my gender was the other half that had been missing from my primary lessons, my Sunday school lessons, my young women's lessons, my Relief Society lessons. Every fireside I attended, every Ensign article I read, half, half was missing and half is a lot to be missing from something. So when, when the Lord showed me and opened my eyes to my true potential and to who I was divinely designed after and who I could become, it really gave me the lifeline I needed to stay true to all those things I had learned as a child that I truly believed, but I didn't know if I wanted And in discovering who she was and who she might become, I wanted that because I knew she was equal. And I knew that I had a purpose in building, in building Zion. And Zion will never be complete until she is also first in our, in our hearts, like the father is. Thank you for sharing those personal, powerful moments and feelings, that experience that you've had finding the mother. I think a lot of women feel that lack of that half and wonder if they are equal or if they're under. And I'm just really grateful for the way that you've talked about how including the mother in your view of God has brought wholeness for you. It has made me feel feel whole, and I feel like, like the Lord says in the New Testament, when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. And I feel like when you have seen, strengthen your sisters. There are many others who feel that same way, and we, we deserve to feel whole. Thank you so much, Brittany. Thank you. I'm grateful to you, and I am grateful for all those who are so brave in sharing their experiences and sharing the fullness of the gospel, the fullerness of the gospel. It is it is more full now than it has been in the past. I know it will continue to be more full, but I feel like we are fully reaching. We are reaching for that and it takes all of us. Thank you for those words. Thank you for showing up to do a podcast episode with me. I know yeah. it's not <laughs> the Thank <easiest> you. Thing. <laughs> Thank you for responding. It it is it is a relief, but it also feels, it feels really, it feels really great. And I'm grateful to you. I'm grateful for your platform. <laughs> Thank you. It wouldn't be what it is without you and so many others sharing, being willing to share their stories. So thanks to you and thanks to Marie. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Marie. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it. And if you haven't yet, please leave us a review. If you'd like to support the podcast monetarily, you can make a monthly donation at anchor.fm slash inherimage. We hope you'll tune in next Sunday for another inspiring episode.